Welcome and thank you for listening to the CRC podcast brought to you by Pastor Ad Boschel. We believe that God is working across this platform to bring each and every believer revival throughout their entire lives. We hope you are inspired by this week's message. So let's read Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1. The Bible says, I will stand my watch at your prayer closet, right? How's that going? Amen. What time have you been meeting with the Lord this last week? On the count of three, shout it out. One, two, three, let's hear. Some of you are just saying, ah, ah, I never showed up. That's okay. This week you're going to show up. And if you only woke up twice this week, this next week you are going to wake up three times, then four times. Then you're going to get addicted. You're not going to give up like those people who start out in gym at the start of the year and they sign a contract and they say, I'm going to, my New Year's resolution is I'm going to get myself into shape. And we all know, gym goers know that January people are there out of guilt and they fall away by February. And then we all, the gym is empty, March, April, May, June, July, August, September. Suddenly there's the great comeback because people want their beach body. And they do anything then to get that and they get the best trainer. And I, I look at them run on the treadmill and I think, it's too late now, baby, it's too late. It's too late now. It's too late. So I don't want you to be like that in what we're talking about. Your relationship with God is not being advocated as something religious. It is something that is critical and crucial much more than looking after your body. Although I have to say, if your body goes, you go, and the temple, the Holy Ghost can no longer express Himself through you. So you want to have to, you want to look after your physical body. You want to look after your mind. But more than anything else, you want to look after your spirit man. So. Let's talk about this relationship and go deeper. Somebody say deeper. He says, I will stand my watch and I will set myself on the rampart. That is a watch station or a watchtower. And I have to be careful saying that, okay, for obvious reasons. And I will watch to see what the Lord says to me. Say it tonight, please. Come on, you need to get involved here because your relationship with God requires engagement. Put your hand on your heart like this and say, God wants to talk to me. Say it. Come on, I don't care if you are 16 years old or if you are 60 years old tonight. Say it tonight. Say, God wants to talk to me. Say it. God has plans for my life. God knows the future. I don't. Therefore, I need to have time alone with God so God can talk to me in Jesus' name. Amen. Give Him a praise. Hallelujah. You know, you want to date, and let me just tell you, your relationship with God's not a blind date, okay? It's not like uh, you, 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 you get conned and somebody says, hey, I've got a nice guy for you. And you get there and it's not anything you expected, okay? It's not a blind date. And it's not a, a social media date where the guy puts a great profile and you show up and uh, it's not the same guy. God is God. But you want to build a relationship, you've got to show up. Come on, young person, you have to show up. You have to show up. Get yourself up and get yourself into the presence of God. That's what Habakkuk says. He says, I'll stand my watch. Those of us that come from the army will remember that you had to stand guard. And this is really what he is saying. You have to stand your watch. You have to watch for two things. You have to watch for the plans of God and you have to watch for the plots and the schemes of the enemy against you. Well, Satan hates you and he's the destroyer. 
and He'll do everything in His power to derail you from your destiny and your assignment. So God will warn you before the attack because to be forewarned is to be forearmed. That means you can neutralize the plans of the devil through prayer and through intercession. He says, when God talks to you, you have to journal. That's what Habakkuk says. He says, I will answer when I'm corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. What are you talking about? Not just the vision for your life, but you have to journal what God is saying to you. I cannot overemphasize the importance of journaling, of writing down your conversations with God. Writing down what God is saying to you in your personal life. Because when the enemy attacks you or when opportunity comes along, you have to go back to your journal. What has God been saying to you consistently over a period of time? And that's what God says to the prophet. He says, write the vision and make it plain on the, in the notebook. That in those days they wrote on stone. Thank God you didn't all bring a piece of stone to church. Amen. Think about that. You've got a notebook, a pen and a paper. Those days it was a little bit more difficult. There was no paper. So he says, um, make it plain that he may run who reads it. So your relationship with God will never leave you where God finds you. God's always going to take you forward and onward. God will always lead you into the greater things that He has for you. So when you have a living relationship with God, you will not become a stagnant, dry Christian. You will be a person full of vision. The Bible is very clear, where there's no vision, people perish. It says, for the vision is for an appointed time. We heard about that this morning, amen. But at the end, it shall speak. So God's plan for your life will come to pass. Oh, come on, man. No matter how many delays you have, many, how many derails you have, God will have the final say. And God's plan for your life, listen to me on television, will come to pass for your life. Because if God said it, it will be. No devil in hell can stop it. No devil in hell can curse it. If it's God's plan for your life, it shall come to pass. Because if God blessed you, you cannot be cursed. Come on, lift your hand tonight and say, I am blessed. Say it. Say, I, I, say it. Say, I'm appointed. Say it, say, I'm anointed for great things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And yes, you are. Hallelujah. Says, though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come to pass. Says, behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him. So in the context of people not having a relationship with God, God says those people are proud because they think they can live their lives without God. He says, but the just shall live by faith. What faith is he talking about? He's talking about the rhema word that you should receive from God in your prayer closet. You live on the word of God. You don't live on your good ideas. You're not guided by other counsel. You are guided by God Himself. He says, woe who says to him, people that turn away from God and seek answers in other places. It may even be your offense. Woe to him who says, would awake to silent stone arise it shall teach. Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, yet there is no breath in it. So literally, Habakkuk says, I will stand to see what the Lord will speak within me. So please get this, and we have to develop this. People want a sign to know that God is in control. Well, God gave that sign 2,000 years ago when He put His Son on the cross of Calvary. That sign stands. The sign you need, the statement you need that God loves you 
and God has an eternal future for you and a future in this world is the statement God made 2,000 years ago when He put the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross to die for you. And remember, just before Jesus went, He made a statement and He said, it's to your advantage that I go. For if I do not go, the Holy Spirit will not come. So Jesus had to go. So the Holy Spirit had to come. So the Holy Spirit could come to lead us and to guide us into the plans that God has for us. So when God talks to you, it's not going to be a thunderous voice. You know, I've heard God's voice audibly twice. Once was on Naval Hill. I don't want to see and say these things because people want God to, to, to speak loud. And I was standing on Naval Hill praying over the city of Bloomingdale, and uh, I was thinking, I saw a little cloud, thought about the return of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the Lord spoke to me audibly. I heard an audible voice where God spoke to me. And He said to me, run for me or I'll find another. That's all He said to me. And I was running up and down there on Naval Hill. And uh, I think I was doing my own dance there. I said, Lord, I will run for you. I will run for you. I will run for you. Amen. Because when God talks to you, you can't back out of a word that God gives to you. But everything else I have discovered through prayer, spending time with God alone, suddenly the desire changes. The, um, the vision changes. A shift stake takes place. I mean, I was studying law. I never thought about ministry. I never thought I wanted to be in the ministry. The only times I ever spoke about uh, the first time I heard that, the first time I heard that, I thought, oh dear. That is on me. I didn't, I don't, I think when I get to heaven one day it'll make sense because God is a generational God. My father's mother had seven daughters. My grandmother, obviously. And then she said to the Lord, like uh, uh, Hannah, she said, give me a son and I will give him back to you to, to, to serve you in the ministry. So she had a son and she told her son and her son studied theology and then studied a BCom financial degree, etc. And uh, I don't mean disrespect towards my father, my earthly father who's now in heaven, but he never answered that call. And somehow I knew the vow my grandmother made is now coming on me. And that's why I always, whenever somebody said anything, kijk om had ek ons so skeef geloop het, dan het ek weer gesê, ek gaan het dominee word eendag, ek gaan het dominee word eendag. Then I got saved, and I got filled with the Holy Ghost, and I was set on fire by God, and there was no prophecy. As a matter of fact, when the prophets used to come to the churches in those days, they were small, so you could prophesy over everybody. They always prophesied around me. How do you think that made me feel? I was sitting like there with my prophesy me, notice me face. And everybody prophesied, said, my brother, I've got a word for you. My sister, I've got a word for you. My brother, I've got a word. And I would sit there right in the front. I was even the catcher. I was a singer. I was everywhere. I said, notice me. Then we had a presbytery team that came, three prophets from America, and they prophesied. You sat in a church and they gathered around you. Some of you will remember that. Uh, uh, great men of God, when the prophetic ministry was authentic, um, and they prophesied over the whole church and forgot to prophesy over me. How do you, everybody had a big prophecy like that. And I thought, is there not a prophecy for me? I never got a prophecy. But that didn't make me, initially I thought, hello. 
Am I, is the best left for last? Well, the last never got his prophecy. But that didn't disillusion me. That made me pressing more into God. That got me to pray more. And I thank God for it today. That man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That you are not designed by God to live on somebody else's revelation. You are not designed by God to be led by somebody else. You are designed by God to be led by Jesus Christ as your shepherd through the power and the wonderful Holy Spirit. Say amen and give the Lord a praise for the Holy Ghost. Come on. But I cannot tell you there was a day that the Lord struck me and said, you will go into the ministry. No. I was studying law and as I was, as I was praying and journaling, the, the, the desire began to change in me. And I knew God called me for something else. And that desire, that feeling, that unction became overwhelming until the point that I was so persuaded that this was God's plan for my life that I began to cry out to God and I said, God, if I cannot do this, I don't even want to exist. I don't want to, to live. It is as God spoke more to me, I had to yield more. And as God spoke more to me, I had to yield more. As God spoke more to me, I had to yield more until I became a broken vessel. Until I said, Lord, not my will be done, but thy will be done. And I packed my bags with Narita and we went to Lady Brand for six people to start a church with six people back in 1987 on a word of God. Okay, an unction. There wasn't a crowd waiting. There wasn't a building I just knew that I knew that I knew. You say, how, Pastor? Through spending time in the presence of Jesus. The more I spent time in the presence of Jesus, the more I knew, the stronger the feeling became, the stronger the knowing I became. And I'll tell this to every young person here today. You are 16 or 17, you're unclear about the future. God will give you the desires of your heart. But the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desire of your heart. Meaning God will put His desire his plan, His purpose in your life. Amen. That's why prayer is critical. Because this walk with God is, 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 is a dialogue. There was no going to Lady Brand and I knew I'd ever return to Bloemfontein. There was never going to Bloemfontein ever knowing we're going to have to start a church in Pretoria or anywhere in the world. All I knew was God said, go to Lady Brand. And that is the Word of the Lord daily. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Not only the Bible, but as you build your business, as you navigate through your life, as you decide who you have to marry, where you have to live, what church you should be planted in. All those decisions have to be led by the Holy Ghost. Because anything outside of the Holy Spirit is your decision. And that makes you proud. Because you have a guide and you refuse to be your own guide. This is our real disease. This is our critical disease. Your wife is not your guide. Your husband is not your guide. Your husband may be your priest, but he's not your savior. Your, your, your wife may be your intercessor, but she's not your savior. Amen. Your pastor may be your teacher and your equipper, but he's not your savior. You have one savior. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. You have one mediator. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. You have one person, one access to the Father. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has the deal. He loves you. He knows you by name. He knows you personally. And he wants to communicate to you personally. Like if you had 11 children, like my great-grandmother, they were 11. I don't even know how um, her mother knew all their names because I'm struggling with all the grandkids, not really okay. I just call them 
Boopy. Chanel says, no. Okay. I stop. So when God talks to you, why is your prayer closet so important? Because you realign with God's will every day. It's like a car that goes out of alignment. You have to get it checked. You need a checkup every day. So offense doesn't take place in your life. Remember what Jesus said? <laughs> he said, when you come to offer your gift, your prayer, and then remember your brother sinned against you, go be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. So your relationship with God is intertwined in your relationship with your brother. You can't have a relationship with God and be offended with your brother. Cannot work. That's why in the disciples' prayer, or as we say the Lord's prayer, He teaches us to pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive. That means every day we evaluate our lives and we evaluate, evaluate our relationships. And if you stand there, and, and, and you don't deal with offense or bitterness or unforgiveness in your heart towards a brother, that's the end of communion with God. Because God says, uh-uh, I explained this. Like I tell my children when they fought with one another, I said, no, 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 no. Go sort your nonsense out. Oh, I'll put them in separate rooms until they dealt with their hearts. And then I got them together. I said, sort your nonsense out. Why did I do that? Because I love them. Because there's no peace in the house if the kids are fighting, Right? So we want peace and God will guide us from a place of peace. So deal with any offense, deal with unforgiveness, deal with bitterness, deal with resentment. Leave it at the altar so that you can be free and move on in your life with Christ. You'll be amazed how offense guides people into making bad decisions. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, God your heart more than anything else, for out of it flow the issues of life. The issues of life, they talks about the boundaries of your life. So if you get offended with somebody, it will hinder your walk with God more than anything else. Listen and let it sink in. Let it sink in. Amen. So when God talks, it's a still small voice. That's why when there are many voices talking to you, you have to separate yourself and get to the place where you can hear that voice again. So we know the story of Elijah. When Jezebel comes to him for him, he has the greatest moment. He prays down fire from heaven. He challenges a nation to return to God. There's the greatest revival. The next day, he goes from the greatest high to the greatest low. He runs for his life to a valley of depression, to a valley of discouragement. He wants to give up on his destiny and God revives his prophet. And how does God do this? He feeds him, he strengthens him. Then God says, go back to the mountaintop, go back to the place where you hear my voice. And he doesn't go there. He goes to the cave, a place of darkness. He goes to a place, a place of uh, depression. And still God comes to, he says, get out of your cave, get out of your depression. Get out of your resentment. Get out of your shame. Get out of your guilt and stand back at the entrance of the cave so that I can talk to you again. So Elijah moves to the uh, 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 entrance of the cave and the Bible says the Lord passes by in three things. A strong wind, God's not in the wind. An earthquake, God is not in the earthquake. You can put the scripture up, 1 Kings 19. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. How many of you have heard that still, small voice? Well, if you haven't, you're going to begin to hear that still, small voice. And it's going to happen as you spend time in God's presence. He hears that familiar voice 
as he gets back into the presence of God. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave and suddenly a voice came to him and said to him, what are you doing here? Suddenly perspective returns and, and, and Elijah, his sanity returns because he hears the voice that matters. There's a voice of confusion, a voice of, of, of intimidation, Jezebel, which is a spirit of intimidation. There's a voice of persecution, which is Jezebel persecuting. There's, there's a voice that of fear, Jezebel, I'm going to kill you tomorrow. So he's running away. He, he, he loses a sound mind. And the Bible says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love and a sound mind. Amen. Say hallelujah. So he hears a still small voice. John 10, 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. Now do this. Put your hand on your heart and say it. Say, as God's sheep, I hear His voice. I know it's simple teaching this, but you need to hear this. Because Jesus went about teaching and preaching. So, so I need to preach it, but I have to teach you as well. I have to teach you how to connect with God. So you don't become dependent on somebody else's faith. Dependent on somebody else's revelation or excitement. Do you need to develop your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Amen. Somebody say amen and give Him a praise. Come on. Hallelujah. So you need to learn to discern His voice. Where does God talk? Proverbs 20, 27. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his spirit. So when God talks to you, it's not on top, it's inside. How many of you remember the Cremora ad? Honey, where's the Cremora? It's not, in, it's not inside, it's on top. Well, this is not on top. It's inside. And it's a still small voice. God's not a mind. God is a spirit. God's not going to talk to your mind. The devil will talk to your mind. The devil will confuse your mind. God wants to talk to your spirit. Therefore, you have to quieten yourself to hear the voice of the Lord in your spirit. Because God lives in your spirit. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 17, Bible says, He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So God lives here. This is where God's going to talk to you. In Proverbs 20 or, or Romans 8 verse 14, the Bible says, For as many as are led by prophecy, they are sons, I mean, uh, for as many as are led by the ancestors. Now you're going to go all quiet on me, but that's fine. For as many as are led by the horoscope. For as many as are led by their friends. For as many as are led by their pastors. For as many as are led by, say it. For as many as are led by, how many are here tonight? How many are here tonight? What are the rest of you? How many are here tonight? That's you. Many means you can be counted. Many means individuals. As many as are led by the Spirit. Those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. That word son, there's a distinction. It is euos, which means mature. 
You know, at one stage, a child has to walk by themselves. At one stage, a child has to brush their own teeth. At one stage, a child has to change their own, no, not change their own nappy, uh, go to the toilet by themselves, uh, feed themselves, etc., etc. Up to a point. Here's the problem, Paul says. You need, he, he speaks in Hebrews, he says, while you need real meat, you are still spiritual babies. You've never grown. You've never developed a relationship with God. That's why you live dependent on everybody else. That's why you live dependent on what people say about you. You live dependent upon other people's experiences. He says you are still a baby. You're a fat little baby. You're a 20-year-old baby, a 30-year-old baby, a 50-year-old baby. You are born again for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, and you still are a spiritual baby. The only way you're gonna grow up is if you spend time in the presence of God and you get to the place where you can discern the voice of God for yourself and you can walk with God in a living and abiding relationship. Everything else is infant Christianity. So, so let me make this clear. Sunday is, is a celebration and yes, we get motivated. The Bible says we have, you have to exhort with all doctrine and long suffering. We build your faith. We edify you. All these kind of things. But sh- sun- and Sunday is not your, your shot for the week. It's to boost you in your walk with God. Amen. No walk with God. Sunday, it's like people run, Ooh, last night was brilliant. Monday's like, then they go to home cell and it's like a little high and then, yes, we need one another. But we need to walk with God. Personally. And it's something you have to consider in your own life without feeling guilty. How's your relationship with God? Because if you even live in a place of offense, it is evident that you have no relationship with God. You're carnal. That's what Paul says. Yes, you are carnal. You still live like babies. But if you, if you walk in the Spirit, if you are led by the Spirit, you're above that. You're not controlled by sentiment, by emotion. And that is for mature people. That's for people that have developed themselves in the relationship with God. They are not swayed by every wind of doctrine. They are not fickle and they are not swayed by emotions and sentiment. Their hearts are steadfast. Their feet feet are secured in the Word of the Lord. They are sure-footed because of their relationship with God. And it has nothing to do with, with your age. It has everything to do with the time you spend with God. I mean, David was 17 years old. He had a great relationship with God. Jeremiah was 17 years old. He was called a prophet to the nations because he had a relationship with God. Uh, Samuel was under the age of 12 and he was called to be the high priest in the place of Eli. Think about that. That will mess with your mind because he had a relationship with God. He's under the age of 12 when God talks to me about judgment upon the house of Eli. He has a relationship with God because he grew up in the house of God. He grew up in the temple. He learned to discern the voice of God. He served the covenant of God. He was dedicated to the Word of God. So your level of maturity has nothing to do with your uh, uh, biological age. It has everything to do with the time you spend in the Word of God. The Bible says, as newborn babies, we should desire the sincere milk of the Word that we may grow thereby. So your spiritual growth is dependent on your time spent in the presence of God and exercising the faith, walking out what God says to you, being a doer of God's Word. Amen? I mean, a, 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 a physical example is a 60-year-old in gym is not going to look better than a 20-year-old person in gym. 
Maybe if he trained for 40 years, yes. So it's got nothing to do with your, your, your bio, bi- biological age. It has everything to do with your dedication. The time you spend with God. And the more time you spend with Him, the more you're going to discern Him. The more you're going to discern His ways. The more you're going to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. The more you're going to live sensitive not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Not to quench the Holy Spirit. Not to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. Because you are now led by the Spirit. You are walking in the Spirit. You are living in the Spirit. You are keeping connected to the Holy Spirit. Are you listening to me? So any conversation, you will know this is not God's. Doesn't sit right with me. Your friends say, let's stay home tonight. You say, no, I'm going to church. You can stay here, I'm going to church. That means God becomes, I'm saying again, the primary influence in your life. And if that's not the case, then somebody else has the primary influence in your life and somebody else is your guide, the substitute of the Holy Ghost. That's a big statement, but it's real. As many as are led by the... Spirit, they are sons of God. Then he says in verse 15, for we did not again, old covenant, receive the spirit of adoption or receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father, our Father, relational. The Spirit Himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are sons of God. Thank you for being with us, our beautiful television audience. God's got great plans for you. Please get into your dialogue room with God. Get into your prayer room. Build your relationship with God. Read your Bible. Pray every day and you will grow, grow and glow in Jesus' name. God bless you. Come on, give them a hand clap. Hallelujah. So, Philippians 2 verse 13, the Bible says, for it is God who works in you both to will and do His good pleasure. We don't just decide to, to do things. God works in us. Before you were born, God says to Jeremiah, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Before you were born, God says, I ordained you to be a scientist. I ordained you to be a doctor. I ordained you to be a teacher. I ordained you. I made you. I designed you for great things. But you are going to discover your design and your designation through spending time with your Creator, the one who made you. So how is this going to work? What will determine the ultimate outcome of our lives? Number one, our willingness to connect with God through dialogue. I'll say it again, our willingness to connect with God through dialogue, to worship Him, to come to church, to go to home cell, to pray, to journal, to respect His Word as final authority in our lives. Because if God doesn't have the final say, we are not going to go in the direction God has for us. Number two, what will determine the outcome of our lives? Our willingness to consecrate ourselves to God and His will. That's what Jesus taught us to pray. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Garden of Gethsemane, not my will be done, but Thy will be done. So I have to live in that place of consecration. Amen. I mean, people say, there's a great job for you over here. Let's not pick on Cape Town tonight. There's a great job for you here in New Zealand. What is God's will for you? Not what's the paycheck. Because James warns and he says, beware those of you who say tomorrow I will move to such and such a city and I will go do business there. And you do not say, if the Lord wills. So I want to live submitted to God's will all the day of my life. Amen. How many of you are still believing God to get married? 
Yeah, well, at least there's one young lady excited about it. The rest of you, it's like you raise your hands and it's like, well, I don't know about that. How many of you are excited to get married? Okay, where are you going to find your partner? Huh? You say in church, what were you doing in the club this last week then? What are you looking for? Huh? There was this place in Bloemfontein while well, I was a lot in Bloemfontein. I don't want to say, but it sounds like Barnabas, the guy that was uh, that they um, exchanged Jesus for. Because uh, uh, I don't want to say something that I can get. Uh, but I think the place is closed. And a lot of young people would go hang out there. They'd hang out there and come to church on Sunday. And say, ba, 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 ba. And uh, sometimes we went there. And un- 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 was that Uncle Andre, my kids, Uncle Andre. Pastor Andre went there a lot of times. You know, and it's like, Hey, my mother, I'm going beer bottle for I'll never forget. I, 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 <laughs> I, met, I met a member once. And these, these things don't bother me. There's a guy I'm trying to reach in gym now. And he's, he's a sinner. I like sinners, by the way. Okay, they're not religious. They're not pretentious. They just are what they are. Jesus was a friend of sinners. So I, I'll never forget. I walk into this place and the guy sits with a beer bottle between his legs. And he's sitting in the car and I walk by and I stop and I want to talk to him. And a cigarette in his hand. Okay, come on. No. So obviously being kind, I stayed there for 30 minutes to see. No, I, no, I didn't. I, I spared him the embarrassment. I only stayed for a minute because I wanted to see. I said, it's okay, man. The, you, you're not going to smell like a beer is not going to take you to hell. And smoking is not going to take you to hell. It may smell like you've gone through hell, but it's not going to take you there. Okay, so don't pollute your body. You, you'll be smart. Amen. Whatever we do, we do for the glory of God. So if we're talking about living consecrated for God's will, how will you know what God's will is if you don't live consecrated? So where are you going to find your wife? Where are you going to find your husband? Where are you going to find your spouse? Let's clarify it. Let God confuse you. Because Canadians are confused. Where will you find your wife? How will you know? No, no. You know, when we were young, I was young, now I'm not so young. Because now I look at my kids and they tell me what their age is and I think, but okay. Everybody had a prayer list because we were taught all that nonsense. Make a prayer list of your ideal partner and then you write. Where's that in the Bible? Bible says that, yeah, there's non-negotiables. The person better be saved, sold out for Jesus Christ. But there should at least be a little bit more than just a prayer. Amen. So, so the spiritual life, then the emotional connection. And especially girls struggle with this late on in life. When, when, when they're smart and sharp, which all girls are, by the way. And they marry a guy, but net prat with rugby, brave lace, Okay, in cricket. Mother Sarai may say dunk. You know, I never raised my daughters like this. And I told these two men that married my daughters, I thank God for them, the greatest two son-in-laws you could ask for. 
But I told them, you're marrying smart girls, intelligent girls, free girls. And I've told them, they're not, inf not inferior to men. They're free. They'll express themselves. They're not going to be barefoot, pregnant, and in the kitchen. They are your partners. They are not your subservience, etc., etc. They, You need to intellectually stimulate them as well. You're not just going to kiss them. Kiss them because a lot of guys want to kiss because they can't con have conversation. You know, you want to talk and the brother goes there like a fish, a goldfish. Like, oh. It's like, what are you doing? Just push him at bay. Say, hey, let's just talk. Let's see what's between those ears of yours. Because when, 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 when girls get to 35, now they see life differently. So if that guy never grew emotionally, intellectually, it becomes a challenge to that girl. So I tell people, before you marry, you better get to know one another. Don't be caught up in the moment. Get to know that person. Get to know the heart of that person. Get to know the, 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 the person's intellectual, because people are attracted to different things. If you're wired a certain way, make sure the person that you are attracted to are wired in a similar fashion. Otherwise, you're going to grow apart. Are you listening to me? So, yes, you have to pray and, 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 and you need to know what will complete you, although you are incomplete in Christ. So, it's good to say, I'm going to find somebody that I can love for the rest of my life. But what is that something that you want to love for the rest of your life? And how are you going to know that you know that you know that you know that is the person? I'll tell you this one way. And that's not by dating 10 people in a year. It's by living a consecrated life before God and trusting God and waiting for God to guide you. We always said about uh, my brother's two sons, we always said, Vim, the younger we always said he's going to marry quickly because he was just like that. He needed a wife at a young age. Vim. So he had like two girlfriends and, and, and which was just whatever. But we always knew Adam John, the accountant, was going to find the right girl and it's going to happen quickly. And everybody tried to put pressure on him and said, AJ, when are you finding a girl? AJ, he has a girl to date. AJ, he just said, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. I'm not interested. And people start thinking like, AJ, is there something wrong? No. He was walking consecrated. And then at the right time, in the appointed time. In the appointed time. Not your appointed time of loneliness. In the appointed time. God brought a girl. And AJ saw the girl. And we all knew this is it. Because we are like elephants as a family. When somebody comes into the family, we all gather around that person. The uncles and the aunts and the cousins and everybody. And we all discern that person together. And then we say to that person, yay or nay because we know that God guides us by the Holy Ghost but we know when you are young your emotions and sentiment and feelings uh, might get involved so we get involved in the relationships of, 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 of our children and one another's children so we can make sure we save God and we will talk to him and say uh, no we don't feel good about that one no one say we don't feel good about that one say no good say then we have to talk to the boy whatever boy it is and say is not right and we raised our kids to be respectful not to be controlled 
but to be respectful, to trust when everybody feels, because the Bible says we're all baptized in the same spirit. When everybody feels this doesn't sit right, then you know it doesn't sit right and you know God is talking so that we can make sure that they make God-guided decisions so that they can have the future God has for them. Come on, say amen in Jesus' name, right? So I won't be long. Um, Verse verse three. Number three, how will we live this life and see God's determined outcome for our lives? Number three, we have to, we need to develop the ability to discern God's will through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Now I, I put consecration before guidance because there cannot be guidance without consecration. It's not possible. That's why the Bible says we present our bodies a living sacrifice. We live a a life consecrated. Now, now, now listen to me, my young friend. This is not a heavy revy I'm putting upon you. This is the way you will navigate through life successfully, giving God preeminence. And God knows best for you. God will give you the best spouse. God will lead you into the best job. God will lead you through the fire. God will lead you through the valley. God will sustain you. God will keep you. If it's God's will for you, God will bring you to your destination on time. Number four, submission to godly counsel. I just spoke about that in our family context. Even when we got married, Marita and me, I went to my pastor. And uh, I mean, I come out of the shepherding movement where the pastors were almost like they were the voice of God in your life. So we went to the pastor. I went to the pastor and I said, you know, I saw this girl and I feel this, etc. And I said, what do you think? He says, oh, I know she's right. I said, okay. Then I went to a dad and he said, they said Gibbons and he said, and he said, because I was earning 700 rand a month. There wasn't much to marry when, because I had nothing. I had passion and fire, but I, like young people, they delay certain things, get themselves in trouble for financial reasons. No. I asked him and I still was after a prayer meeting and I thought I'm going to catch him after a prayer meeting because then he's going to be spiritual. And it would be easy. And it wasn't, he said. How are you going to look after my daughter? I said, well, God's going to provide. They said, don't give me this God thing. I said, you're the head intercessor. What do you mean don't give me this God thing? You're the man of faith. He said, don't give me this God thing. You have to pay bills. Now you're going to pay the bills. When my, these, these men, <laughs> Ooh, when they came to see me, to ask me for the hand of my daughters. Listen, it was an interrogation, like you cannot believe, an investigation. I hired 50 PIs to investigate their past, everything about them. No, that's just a joke. But I asked them every uncomfortable question, like, did you ever kiss a girl? I'd say you're marrying my daughters I raised them pure how pure are you? you know girls can can lie with a straight face guys can't
He said, what have you been exposed to? Niks pastoor. Toe is ek pastoor. Niks pastoor. Niks. Ek sê, wat? Niks. <laughs> Why did I do that? Not to be mean. <laughs> Not to be mean. But to know their past so I could prepare them for my daughter. Because no matter what their past was, if there was forgiveness and, 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 and they received Christ, that's under the blood. But as a man, as a father, not just as a spiritual man, but as a man that comes out of the world, I know that if you have a worldly past, there are things you have to deal with, that you have to address, or those things will show up in your, in your Christ life. So not just Shabbat Shabbat. I said there's no Shabbat Shabbat. Yeah, there's no prayer. We're not having a prayer meeting. We're having an interview. You're not telling me the Lord, the Lord, nothing. I'm now the Lord, me. I'm the Lord at Bosov. This is my house because He's Lord of Lords. I'm Lord of this little place. Now you'll give account to me because you're going to take my daughter that I raised and paid money for and you are going to come and take her away from me and then you're going to make her pregnant. And you're going to feel like the hero. But I raised her. She cost me a lot. Worries of boss, my labola. You let not the yellow canner sell a bola, but tell me, die, dang yellow, yellow. Yeah. Yen Kubis, Nian van Yelet no labola, but tell me. Ons is in Afrika. Ek wacht nog. Okay. Then you, 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 you have to live God's will out by faith. Habakkuk spoke about that. The just shall live by faith. Write the vision. Then you have to walk it out by faith. And as you walk it out by faith, more and more of the future is revealed. You don't know it all. Nobody ever knows it all. You're not going to have a vision and it's, you know everything. No. You have a map, you have an unction, and then you have to walk it out by faith. And you have to navigate into the future, the unknown, by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. That's why you need it. There's no plan, although we plan in our businesses and we strategize and structure. When it comes to the plans that God has for you, you have to walk with God so God can guide you. And I'll tell you, seldom will you be caught by surprise. God will always prepare you for what is to come in your spirit. You'll always know something is going to happen. You'll always know that God is going to lead you on a different path or something like that. You'll always know that because God talks to you about the future. I must is clear, God does nothing unless He reveals the future to His servants. So when you spend time with God, you'll know who to marry. You'll know what you were created for. You will know your design. You will know where you should live. You will know what church you should be planted in. I was planted in one church for life. I wasn't a church hopper. I was planted. Those who are planted in the house of God shall flourish in the court of God. Come on, everybody planted in the house of the Lord. It's a good time to give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. You flourish in the house of God. I thank God for the church today. 
I met my wife in the church, not in the club. I raised my children in the house of God. I found my calling in the church. I developed my relationship in the church. I'm a fan of the church, not because I'm a pastor, but I found Jesus in the church. I found everything that matters in the church. I never felt anything important outside of the church. Come on. You need to have a love for God's house, a love for church, a love to worship God. Because that's the place God is going to guide you and keep you and protect you and lead you from. So we're not called to be these Kaiserasera Christians. Whatever will be, will be. We're not called to allow anybody else to take preeminence in our relationship with God. There's one mediator between man and God. There's one advocate. There's one doorway to the Father. Jesus Himself said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You don't access God through CRC. You don't access God through being a Baptist. You don't access God through the ZCC. You don't access God through the Dutch Reformed Church. You don't access God through any denomination. You access God through Jesus Christ. He alone is the way, the truth and the life. Come on. Oh man, if you love Him and you know Him, give Him a praise tonight. Come on. So our church is our tribe, it's our family, it's our identity as people, as a family. Like the Pretorius family, the Labua family, CRC family. But all the families have one father. All the families have one savior. All the families have one guide. His name is Jesus. I said His name is Jesus. And no other name should ever be elevated above the name of Jesus. No man of God should be spoken more of than Jesus Christ. Jesus alone is to be lifted up and magnified above every other name. We merely show the way, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, we are not the way. We point you in the, to the way. We point you to the source. We show you the way. We are not the way. No man of God died for you. No man of God is God's voice to you. Say Amen. Now that doesn't mean we don't need to be in a church. The Bible is very clear in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. And the Bible says we have to honor the gifts God gave us. But we do not elevate them to a place that is above Jesus Christ. They are there to teach us and equip us. So we should confidently be anchored in God's Word and we should be certain, no matter where we are or what we face, that God promises to lead us and guide us. Psalm 23, we know the, 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 the um, we can all quote it. Amen, can you close your eyes? On the count of three, we all are going to say Psalm 23. Are you ready? Close your eyes, let me see. One, two, three, go. Okay, that's okay. Verse one is okay. Verse 1 is okay. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Amen. Because the Lord is my shepherd. The sheep follow the shepherd. The shepherd doesn't follow the sheep. Because the Lord is my shepherd. 
Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall fear no evil. Because the Lord is my shepherd, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Because I follow the Lord as my shepherd. Come on. Not because the shepherd follows me. No. When I'm lost, the shepherd comes looking for me and he brings me back to the fold. But I am called to follow the shepherd, the good shepherd. I follow him. Then he leads me and guides me. Amen. And really as pastors, we are, we are like the sheep dogs. Did I just call myself a dog? That, that herd you to the shepherd. And, and, and the kraal is the kerk. Our job is not to bite you. That's the job of the wolves. The slanderers, the accusers, the haters. The, the, the sheepdog herd the sheep to the shepherd. Herd them to the fold that is the local church. So that the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, can lead them and guide them. Amen. So Habakkuk again in, in, in the Message Bible, I want to say this, is um, very clear that we are never to seek advice outside of God's guidance. No medium, no familiar spirit, no communication to the dead, with the dead, no communication with dead idols, a rope, a stone, a bone. We are never to consult these things, ever. The Bible is clear that it's an abomination. And those who consult those mediums will put themselves outside of God's blessing. So Habakkuk 2 verse 18 to 9 in the, in the, in the message, when he's talking about God's guidance, he says, what's the use of a carved God so skillfully carved by its sculptor? I mean, People worship things that are created by people. Put this around your neck and you're going to be blessed. Sit the ice roof by the U.S. and you're going to see it. That's a belief, man. What's the nonsense? Draw a pen in your, a penny in your old hour. A penny in your school and you're going to see it. What's the twak? Oor tan besie kan die blare lees van die thea. Lekker tan besie, man. Jy is like my bitter besie, dier mekaar besie. Maar jy lei ons nie. He says, what sense does it make to be a pious and God maker who makes gods that can't even talk? People go sacrifice things annually to gods that cannot talk back. They cut themselves even today. They slaughter animals to get God's attention today. There is no more sacrifice. The Lamb of God has been slain. Come on. The way into the Holy of Holies has been obtained. The blood of Jesus Christ, come on, that has given you free access into the throne room of God. There remains no other sacrifice. The gateway to heaven has been opened. All you have to do is access it. Father, in Jesus' name, and you have your Father's attention. Hallelujah. Come on, give Him a praise. Saying to a stick or a, wake up. I, I love God's tone when God talks. He mocks those idols or He says to a dumb idol, a dumb stone, get up. Can they teach you anything about anything? 
There's nothing to them but surface. There's nothing on the inside. Leviticus 19 verse 4, the Bible says, Do not turn to idols, nor make for yourself molded gods. He says, I'm the Lord your God. Verse 31. That's the challenge for people that open themselves to familiar spirits. He says, Give no regard to mediums and familiar spirits. Do not seek after them to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. So when you're saved, you pray to one person. That's God your Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. You talk to nobody else. No one. Hear me carefully, this is Bible, not culture. So I have got ancestors in heaven as well. And, and my, my is da, my oma's da, my is da. So I don't talk to them. So uh, I honor them, but I don't talk to them. Say amen. Uh, they sit in the grandstand of heaven. My brother being there, he knows what I'm doing tonight. But I was very clear about that, cheering me on. But he cannot talk to me. He cannot communicate to me. He cannot. He cannot. I've had a vision of him in heaven. I've had a vision of my father in heaven. Especially my father, I needed that. God woke me up again. What time? Two o'clock in the morning. Sat in the lounge. God spoke to me because I was concerned about him. Um, his salvation. Although I led him to the Lord, etc. I was still unsure. Uh, um, and then God gave me a vision of him in the presence of Jesus that settled me. But I didn't have this chat with him. Say, hey, Dad, how's it up there? Um, um, I don't really know what to do. Uh, yeah, he has uh, some money and yes, some food and yes, some. Is this going too deep for some of you now? Well, you decide who's your God. But I don't think you're going to do the Jesus thing and follow. There's one way. There's not two ways. There's one mediator. One. His name is Jesus. Say amen. Jesus. It's not all roads lead to Rome. There's one road that leads to heaven. One. 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 His name is Jesus. Say Jesus tonight. Come on, say Jesus. Say it. Say Jesus. Hallelujah. So Saul lost his kingdom, number one, because he disobeyed God's calling upon his life. He built monuments for himself, stopped serving the purpose of God. And then when God lifted his hand from him, he went to seek counsel from familiar spirits, thinking he was talking to Samuel the prophet, which the Bible is clear was not Samuel, it was a familiar spirit impersonating Samuel. Read your Bible. He wasn't talking to Samuel. It was a demon spirit that manifested to Saul as Samuel and who spoke to him. And God's judgment came upon him because he refused to talk to God. He refused to repent and he sought counsel from familiar spirit. So 1 Chronicles 10 verse 13, the Bible says, So Saul died for his unfaithfulness which he had committed against the Lord because he did not keep the word of the Lord and also because he consulted a medium for guidance. But he did not inquire of the Lord, therefore he, God, killed him. Now thank God it's a new covenant. He's not going to kill you, but he's going to tell you that you're not going to go to heaven without Jesus Christ. Your good works won't get you there. 
Your tradition will not get you there. Your ancestors will not get you there. Your sacrifices, your rituals will not get you there. There's one way to heaven. His name is Jesus Christ. There's nothing, no other way that you're going to get to heaven. So God desires to reveal His future. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts I think toward you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future. No, Jeremiah 33, verse 3, call to me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9 and 10 and 11, the Bible says, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things God has prepared for those who love Him, but God has revealed them to us by His Spirit. As many as are led by the Spirit. They are sons of God. So God, your Father, wants to guide you, whoever you are, into His detailed plan for your life. And God's plan for your life is much better than your plan for your life. You have to accept that. That's why we spoke about developing a relationship with God. The first thing that is going to happen is you are going to get to know the Father. And once you know the Father, you will learn to trust the Father. You will believe that the Father's will is better than your will. And consecration will not be gritting your teeth. It will be an outflow of the love you have for God because you will love God back when you receive the love that God has for you. You receive the greatest power in the earth when you spend time in the, in the presence of Jesus. So God loves you into submission. He doesn't beat you into submission. So people that don't trust God with the future are people that don't know God. They have no relationship with God. So they seek other means to get ahead in life. And it's not worth it. You have a heavenly daddy. No sugar daddy. Say amen, all, all, the, all the young, young uh, people. Sugar daddy. I mean, some girls, and I don't judge them, understand circumstances, etc. But you'd rather want to be in the will of God and, and wear the same clothes for three years and God prepares your future than have she, three sugar daddies that you, that you string along uh, to have cell phones and fashion and all this nonsense. You will lose your soul in the process. It's absolutely not worth it. You live a consecrated life. You live a life of sacrifice. God sees it. God will bless you. God will keep you. Our rugby captain is a good example of that, right? He, he had one piece of bread a day with tomato sauce and his muscles still grew. Now he's the Springbok rugby captain. There are many stories like that that didn't sell out to the system of the world. They stayed faithful and true to God and God take them, took them to the highest place as God's going to do for you as well. And say amen in Jesus' name. So almost finished. Isaiah 58 verse 11. The Bible says the Lord will guide you continually. Isaiah 30 verse 21, he says, Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. Isaiah 48 verse 17, Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go. And finally, Psalm 32 verse 8 to 9, he says, I hear the Lord saying, I will stay close to you. I will stay close to you instructing and guiding you along the pathway, because it's a journey for your life. I will advise you along the way and lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. So don't make it difficult. Where's my man with a rope? Don't be stubborn. Don't make it difficult. Don't be stubborn. When I take you where you've not been before, 
So, so, so faith requires that you trust God and, 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 and that you connect it to God, okay? Uh, this rope is a bit long, so because we actually live intertwined with God, but it's, it's just to illustrate something. Um, now, I don't want to pull you but, um, and break my shoulder here. Okay, so just stand there. So he's your guide, right? Your connection is with God through Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit now wants to lead you as what? Your guide. So you want to summit Mount Everest? You, you want to get there and you've never been there? What do you need? A guide. You want to cross an ocean? You need a guide. You want to go anywhere that you've not been? You want a guide. So God, He wants to lead you into the deep unknown. Following Jesus is not to sit and soak. Following Jesus is the greatest adventure you will ever undertake. Every year, God wants to lead and guide you further. So really what that Psalm says is, I, I, don't pull back when I pull. Not, he says, don't be like this where I have to tug you along, tug you to church, tug you to pray. He said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not in a tug of war with you. I want to tug you along. Tug you along. I'm going to kick you out of bed. I'm not going to pull you, force you. God doesn't do that. He loves you. And He says, here I am. I've gone through everything in this life that you will ever go through. I know how to secure you. I know how to sustain you. I know how to deliver you. I know how to walk you through your pain. I know how to walk you through that valley, but you have to follow me as your guide. You have to stay connected. Don't abandon the connection. Don't go your own way. Don't be stubborn like a mule. Be the racehorse that God destined you to be. Be the thoroughbred that God created you to be. Stay connected to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Stay close to the Lord of Lords. He's waiting for you. He has reached out to you. He has sent the Holy Ghost to be your guide be your guide but 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 you can you can stay like that and God is wanting to move and you stubbornly shut your heart to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and the result of that is a life of barrenness and emotional torment because you disconnect from the source of life he's your guide he's your teacher he's your helper He's your strengthener. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. That is the most important relationship you can cultivate, your relationship with God. And we don't want to hear this, especially young people, because we're caught up in, 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 in a world where 10 voices are talking to us at the same time. You're working on your computer, you're scrolling through your emails, your WhatsApps, your mind is busy, 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 busy all the time. And you live in a state where you are really not in a place for God to lead you. That's why you have to get quiet. You have to quieten your soul. David says so. You have to quieten your soul. You have to get yourself in the presence of God and spend time with God and keep this connection stronger than anything. Keep this, this intertwinement that we spoke about, living united with God. This is everything. This is not part of your Christianity. This is Christianity. This is life eternal, Jesus said, that they may know thee, 
the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. This is life eternal, to know God and to know Jesus. Not to know about God, not to have three points to make money as a Christian, not to have formulas. All those things mean nothing. The only thing that will stand for eternity is your relationship with God. Come on, family. Come on, draw closer to God. Come on, young person. Draw closer to God. God's going to draw closer to you. And I promise you, God's going to reveal Himself to you. God's going to love on you. God's going to speak to you. God's going to strengthen you. God is going to, He doesn't pull you along, but I'll tell you, He comes and He just tugs gently at your heart. He just comes like this. He knocks, 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 like a bird at a, at a window pane. He comes, knock, 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 knock. The prompting of the Holy Ghost, that's how He works. Get your attention when you pray. Get your attention when you drive your car. That's all God does. But He's not going to force you along. He's not going to push you along. He's not going to strong arm you. That's not the Lord that you serve. Your Lord is your guide, your Savior. He loves you and He's waiting for you to respond to an invitation to walk with Him. Take your seat for a moment, please. Is He knocking at your heart tonight? There in Potsdam, Struem, in Bloemfontein, Johannesburg, right here in Pretoria. You know, in Genesis chapter 6, the Bible says, Spirit of the Lord will not always strive with man. I always say this to people, God's not going to wrestle you into submission. He's not going to. Even when he wrestled with, with, with Jacob, at one point he said, enough. Because Jacob at that point had not submitted. And he was about to leave. And then Jacob got it. He said, Lord, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. Jacob got it. He got desperate for God's touch. Where are you tonight? In this walk with God. Is he knocking at your heart? Because that's what Revelation says. He says, I will stand at the door of your heart and I will knock. If you will open, I will come and sup with you. Is He talking to you tonight and calling you to that place of intimacy? And tonight you say, Pastor, I want to get back to Jesus. Has there been other voices, maybe other mediums that you have been consulting? Tonight you have to leave those things. You really do. They are an abomination in the sight of God. And tonight you have to open the door of your heart and give yourself back to Jesus. God knows your life beginning to end. He says He's made all things beautiful in His time. In Ecclesiastes, a time and a season for everything. And He says God knows the end from the beginning. But He leads you from the beginning to the end. He knows everything that you're going to walk through. Everything. He knows it before you were born. And He wants to lead you and keep you and sustain you. It's not possible outside of a relationship with Him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Believers praying tonight in all our churches tonight. You say, Pastor, I need a fresh start with God, a new beginning. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Tonight you say, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to pray for you tonight. So you can give Jesus His rightful place in your life. Tonight you say, I'm coming home. I'm opening the door of my heart and I'm inviting Jesus Christ to take His rightful place in my life. If that's your desire tonight in all our churches, wherever you are, whoever you are, there's a stirring in your heart, a gentle tugging. God's just gently knocking at your heart and saying it's time to come back, time to get right, time to surrender your life to me, all of it, so I can lead and guide you 
into all I have for you. Is God talking to you tonight? If that's you tonight, and you say, I'm ready to open my heart. I'm ready to allow Jesus to take His place in my life. I want to pray for you. If that's you, quietly, wherever you are, just slip your hand up. I want to say a prayer for you quickly, all over this place. Raise it up. Raise it up. Raise it up. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Raise it up. High. High. All over this place. Say yes. Thank you. God bless you. Up high tonight. Say yes. I'm coming home. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Tonight, in your heart, God is knocking, calling you to come back. Last time before I pray, you've not yet raised your hand tonight. You say, include me in that prayer. Slip your hand up quickly in Jesus' name. Yes, God bless you. God bless you at the back. God bless you over there. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Okay, listen. Listen, if you've walked with God for a long time, the cross is always there. Okay. I have been a Christian. I was saved uh, long before you were even memories, most of you. On the 14th of November, 1982. That's a long time ago. Right? Hello? 14th of November, 1982. That's 41 years this year that I've been saved. And still today, I have to pray. Your will be done. Still today, still I have to pray that prayer. As long as you live, you have to pray that prayer. That's why it's in the disciples' prayer. You call it the Lord's prayer. It's not the Lord's prayer because the Lord Jesus didn't have to pray that prayer. He lived that prayer. We have to pray that prayer. So it's really more the disciples' prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, relationship, hallowed be thy name. Worship, glory, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Before anything else, before you even pray, give us our daily bread. When he talks about daily bread, he's not just talking about money. He's talking about your career. He's talking about your destiny. He's talking about your position. He's talking about your place. He's talking about your city. He's talking about commerce. He's talking about being an engineer, a doctor, everything. Give us our daily bread. It's not just give us our daily bread. Put bread on my table. That's much deeper. But it cannot operate if you don't first pray. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. As it is in heaven. As you predestined it in heaven before I was born. If I'm not there in that place of consecration, the rest of the prayer doesn't work. Because give us our daily bread means what? Just bread on the table? No. It's got to do with your job, your career, your relationships. It's got to do with everything. Where you live, where you work. I think one of the things that, uh, there are two things that take people out of God's will more than anything else. Relation, wrong relationship and wrong, can I say commercial decision? Job decisions. Those two things. Take people out of God's will more than anything else. They want to go live in a place where the weather is nice. Well, God didn't create you for nice weather. He created you for kingdom purpose. Listen to me. Listen. Because above everything is God's purpose. So if God meant for you to reach people in pots of struam, 
You need to exercise your faith to get a job in Potchefstroom because faith is creative to stay in God's will. Because in Potchefstroom, God placed you to reach people for His kingdom. Therefore, the decision becomes critical if you just make a decision to say, I am moving to Timbuktu. And you don't say, if the Lord wills. And if you say, if the Lord wills, you better make sure that the journal is there to prove if the Lord wills. Because God positions you. Hear me very clearly today. I think most people struggle because they're not living in the perfect will of God. Because they say, they will be done and they do in any case what they want to do. They, in any case, because they don't put kingdom purpose above everything else. Thy kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Not give me my daily bread is first. Seek first. First the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then the things will be added. So that has to stand at the top. Not your feeling, not your likes, not your wants, not your desires, not opportunities. Now that's a tough one because now that narrows it a lot for us. Now it's not a pleasant journey, we think. Because God will bless you. God will, God will bless you where God positions you. So your economic decisions, two things. I've been a pastor now 37 years. Two things that move people out of the will of God. Relationships and money decisions. Two things that move people out of the will of God. Wrong relationships money decisions your faith is a gift that God gave you that if God wants you to stay in Bloemfontein then God will give you the grace and the faith to start a business in Bloemfontein not you make decisions that seem good to you and you say Lord bless it can we go back to Psalm 23 verse 1 it starts with what the Lord is my shepherd. So if the Lord is my shepherd, and I understand when we go through difficult times, especially financially, we go on whatever and we look for jobs everywhere, especially when you feel very responsible, etc. But I want you to be, be, be at peace because God Himself says, I'm your father. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't, 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 don't put your personal needs above my kingdom priorities. Because if, if you will put my kingdom above your personal needs, I will make sure that I will bless you in the land where I've positioned you, Isaac. Even in the second famine, I'm going to bless you. Whatever you set your hand to, Isaac, I'm going to bless and I'm going to prosper. But you have to live subservient to God's will. Yeah, we say amen, but we know it's a big deal, right? Because I didn't want to go to Lady Brand. First time I went there, klein dorpie Lady Brand. My jammel man, ek kom nie uit die platteland uit nie. First time I drove there, we still drove in a, in, a, in a yellow combi. And I sat with my feet on the dashboard. 21 years old, God's man, I thought, anointed with power for the hour. And we were going to go do evangelism in uh, Lady Brand. And, uh, and we drove the... First time we went there, I went to preach the gospel. And as we drove down there, I, me, Meneer Grootbeck, said, God will never put me in a little place like this. And the Lord heard me. And He said, suck it up. You're going. And I went there for five years because I needed some 
dying. Some dying. Some dying. I needed some growing. I needed some learning. I needed to learn what I never would have learned had it not been for Lady Brand, where I wanted to quit every Monday, but I stayed in the will of God. I kid you not, every Monday I thought, what in the world am I doing here? God, I didn't want to be a pastor. I never asked to be a pastor. I just wanted to go do law and go into politics. And I mean, I was a salesperson and I actually, my, my last salary back then after tax was 8,700 rands. Not a lot of money, but then work it out almost 40 years, 37 years ago is a lot of money. So I earned that. At that time, a brand new BMW 318 cost 18,000 rand. So that was my last salary. And then I went into the ministry for 700 rand. 700 rand. That's where my salary dropped. 700 rand. And I thought, I'm telling you, God dealt with my attitude. And I was standing there and saying, what the heck am I doing here? Why am I doing this? I could just be a businessman, Lord, and give my tithe. I don't want to do this. I, was, I wrestled with God. Lady Brand was my wrestling place. Every Monday, and then I would go walk in the mountain for, for hours. There was a lane I walked in. And the boss David, and I found my peace, my sanity. Every Monday, he was, he was one of my first um, uh, um, treasurers in the church, in Lady Brain. Amen. Love you, man. He's still with us all the way from Lady Brain. So, um, so he knows the journey. He was there when we dug the foundations with our hands. When there was no money, we... I cut my teeth on a building site, not in a fancy building like this. A block and a tackle. It only palo up getrek. This was a school. Ni fancy in Grant, ni nix. Op my knee. And the only thing that kept me was that Monday. I took my dogs because I love animals. And I would go into the mountain and walk with him. And I would start out just talking tongues. Just, uh, and as I was speaking and listening to the birds, and there will be birds in heaven, I know that now. Um, God's peace would return to me. And then I would know that I know that I know. Monday I preached my heart out, reality there's 13 people. Sunday I preached my heart out, 13 people. And then, here's the degree in my heart. So here is a morse van tyd. Want ek het op een vrijdagavond en zaterdagavond in Bloemendijk meer mens naar die Heere toe geleid. Every Friday night I was a street evangelist, led 60, 70 people to the Lord every weekend, personally. I thought, what am I doing here? God was busy mentoring me. Then the church grew, it doesn't sound like a lot, in six months to 33 people. And then 23 left. 23, that December. And the one person that financed the ministry, Dennis was his name. He had a great geel baard gehad van the rook. He had like a pipe in this rook. But what a great man from Peter Marysburg. He said, Pastor, I know I'm keeping the church alive with my finances, but all my family is in Peter Marysburg, and I really want to go and be with my children. He said, but I know you need me. Uh, um, what should I do? I said, you go be with your family. Well, it sounded easy, but I saw there goes all the financial support. That's reality. You don't know nothing about me. And I prayed that old December. There was no holiday. Fasted, 
prayed, fasted, prayed. Because I just wanted to, this, the, no, this is a sign. There is no money in Lady Brain. And God checked my attitude. And the first Sunday of January, I know it doesn't sound impressive to you now, but eight new families joined the church. The first Sunday. And they all started tithing. The first Sunday. First Sunday of January. Eight families. I can name them too. John and Ethne Sawyer. People from England. That came. Um, Nick and Annelie Brimmer. I can go through the list of all of them. That, that first Sunday came and walked in. And they all started tithing. And our income went from Dennis's income to like, which doesn't mean a heck of a lot because my budget then was for the church was on one and a half thousand rand a month. You understand? Yeah. Now it's a little bit more than one and a half thousand rand to, to manage Bloomingdale Pretoria and Johannesburg. So uh, it's been a journey. But that journey, the only thing that kept me, listen, listen, the only thing that kept me is my relationship with God, nothing else. Zero, zippo, nux, 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 zero. People come and go. Today, Hosanna, tomorrow, crucify Him. But if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you stay strong, you stay in the journey, you stay in the race, you stay the course, and you finish strong for the glory of God. Say amen. Come on, give Him one last praise here tonight. Amen. Let's pray for all of you, please. All you beautiful people, put your hands on your heart and pray this tonight. Say, Lord Jesus, I give myself back to you. I open my heart and I invite you to take your place as my guide, as my Lord, as my Savior, as my helper. Thank you for making a way to access my heavenly Father. You died on the cross and you shed your blood for all my sin and you rose from the grave to make sure that I can be a child of God. I accept you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the only way, the truth and the life. Thank you for a new life and a new beginning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, give Him a praise, hallelujah. We hope you received exactly what God had in store for you from this week's message. If you have been touched by our ministry, you can help us achieve our mandate and win the lost at any cost by visiting our website at crcchurch.com. Thanks again for listening and God bless.